You're listening to Noise Extra. I'm Gray Holger, here with my co-host Tara Connolly. Hello. And Mike Connolly. Hello. And today we're taking a trip back to 1982 in Italy. A record that, for me, I think set a blueprint and set a lot of things in motion, or at least seemed to in terms of stylistic choices and sound. And that is MB, or Maurizio Bianchi's Activitat. Yes, absolutely. It's been about two and a half years, almost three years or so, since we did the our first MB episode. Actually, I almost feel like it's coming up on four years, really. And it was actually the first episode that Tara was an official. Mm, yeah, what restraint member. we have. It's been a while. Been having by yes. not talking about MB again. But this is a different. MB style with this tape and we thought what a great time to do it as Gray pointed out it was super influential on him and it just seemed like a perfect time to revisit some MB and for today's extra segment that's where you're going to be hearing our recent listening and it is a choice one because a modern classic has just been unleashed upon the world. And we will be discussing that in the extra segment. You'll have to wait with bated breath to see what <gasps> album that is. But MB, Activita. Wow. Great. Give us the background of you finding this, getting it, how you knew to buy it. Let's hear your history with this album. How I knew to buy it was I think I think I'd actually heard Mechpiobacterium before this and and maybe even mm. a couple of other Neurohabitat uh the, the the CDs were out the uh, EST or you know right. Algamark and Sublabel reissues were were out by then and still fairly available I guess. So I would have heard that maybe maybe it was Mechpiobacterium first and I think I'd mentioned you know we did an episode on the self-titled sonar record, Dirk Ivans yes. from absolute body control and the clinic has, you know, what became term power noise, but that early one, you know, it just sounds like crude noise loops, maybe a little bit of drum machine. I love it so much. It's really harsh and overloaded as we discussed on the episode. And I bought these the same day. Right. And I, I, I remember saying that now that I bought them the same day because I saw stylistic similarities in them in terms of the use of rhythm in noise, which was something that at the time, I mean, maybe, you know, I was, had heard brighter death now, something that had rhythmic components to it, but it wasn't something I was used to on the harsher or more miserable end of things. Right. Back then. And this is, you know, well over 20 years ago. So you're not given much when you buy this, you know, I got the CD first. I've since picked up the, the Zariski point LP, which is a very nice addition, but and the CD that you have is the Dark Vinyl CD, correct? Yeah, the Dark Vinyl CD from 1993, I think. And I think we've talked about Dark Vinyl CDs a bit before. Yeah. You know, pre the Premature Ejaculation CDs on Dark Vinyl, I love the way they look. There's so much yeah. good Dark Vinyl. There's some like Runes Order on there. There's some really some stuff that I'm not super familiar with that I will pick up because it's on that label. And it's not a label I collect or buy everything on, but it's a label that has so much good stuff on it that I feel like if you see something or you've heard a name and you see the disc, you, you just grab it. And it's such I'm, a, str it's a strange one. Yeah. It's a strange label 
right, like you said, the premature ejaculation, the uh, episode we did uh, with Charlotte on that was great. And mm -hmm. they did the hunting lodge, but as they said, it was a strange master of it, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, so the, it, the hunting lodge yeah. sounds terrible, the one on Dark Vinyl. Yeah, so it's a, it's a very strange label. And even just Dark Vinyl and a lot of CDs on it, right? So it's just, it's all, the, everything about that label is very strange to me. Yes. Yeah, but the graphic design, the way everything is laid out, I like the somewhat uniform feel of it. This one was not done in that same style of the like band name, you know, title bar kind of central image. Right. This looks like the LP, which has the cover of a Hiroshima bombing victim who has uh, scars, showing their burn scars from the mm -hmm. attacks. And this very much needed a, a re-release because originally it was self-released by MB uh, of an edition of 20. Right. And maybe not even 20 made it out right. the entire it was, way. It was, Again, so early on that, you know, perhaps they were given away or not even distributed. Oh, absolutely. You know. It was part of those early round mm -hmm. of tapes that we've talked with past guests who were corresponding with MB in those days and probably got a copy or maybe it was a a different version you know the picture that we've seen of it has the nuclear symbol on it yeah on, laid on top of of photographs of, of an orchestra and then uh, you know blue uh, willow plates and uh potentially you know a bomb but it's probably they're probably all different yes and, and there might be different versions out there so the, there was a tape version that came out in 82 as well on Teagall that that was that had the cover that we generally think of as the cover for this album. But there has been multiple covers. Yeah. And, and even when the CD release in 2012 came out with the Kubitsuri label, the tracks are actually titled. Right. Uh, unlike all of the other you know, releases, which do not have titles. Yeah, they're actually just credited as like one and two and three mm -hmm. and four. On well, the we'll LP. discuss it when we discuss the tracks. We'll go over them. But that cassette on Teagle, I think, was also really important because as far as I can discern, and this is, you know, 40 years later going through and trying to figure stuff out via discogs and dates and people, you know, right. when people think things came out, but that would have probably been the first U S release of right. MB the first place that an American would get something domestically that would have been easy to, to find. Uh, and that would have been thanks to, you know, Teagle records and, and Schloss Teagle. And so that's a big one, I think to keep in mind here. And also I, why the LP was issued probably in the early nineties. That might've also been the first one that someone like uh, for the, the person who ran Zabriskie point heard, right. right. But an important one to them. And you're asking me about my history with this. And I remember getting this and the sonar and listening to them back to back as you do when you get a couple of new CDs, you throw them both on, check them out. Right. And thinking how this was recorded so much earlier than that, but still had that same character of, decayed destroyed rhythm nasty noise but the fidelity was so much different it was very crude very murky and lo-fi and the pieces were i feel there's definitely some experimental mb but i wouldn't use the word meandering for these they just definitely not yeah. go on this strange journey and they have a direction. Sometimes they get interrupted, cut off, and things change, but they're 
there's clearly a path or a, a feeling he was in when he was making these pieces. And it really comes through in the sound. And so utilized for this record is a, a drum machine of some sort, some rhythmic processing tapes. Right? We hear radio at some points on it. And it says effects. It sounds like synthesizer being processing different things. And that trademark MB delay that you hear on so much of oh, this yeah. early mm-hmm. work. And it's a similar instrumentation to something like that sonar to, you know, processing rhythmic stuff and synthesizer in a, in just a completely different attitude. The time period in which Activitat was recorded was when MB was being quite prolific, releasing many things from 79 to 84. He was quite, quite prolific. And, you know, in, in preparing for this discussion, I came across a really great interview with one GX Jupiter Larson. Excellent was very artist. much in contact with him early on. And and I just thought that this was a, a great context for this time period uh, in which this was released. And this is from the Living Archive of Underground Music by Don Campbell. And these are GX's words. Back in 1980, I gave my records away at punk shows or just sent them off as mail art. I was completely out of the loop when it came to what the kids in the industrial scene were up to. It wasn't until 1982 when a male artist in Texas passed one of my records along to MB in Italy. MB then contacted me directly. It was soon after that when MB told Mersbau about me and the three of us started trading like crazy. This was all done via the post office. It took weeks to complete a trade. And anyhow, it was because of my correspondence with MB and Mersbau that I finally got plugged into a scene. That was slowly becoming what we now know as cassette culture. Must have sent stuff in for a couple hundred cassette comps. Some of it got released, some didn't. Even if the thing did get released, a lot of the time there were only enough copies made so each of the artists who took part could get a single copy. Still at the time, it was the best way to get your stuff out there. And it was a great way to get to know what like-minded people were up to. Yes, so that was what was happening in the world when this was being made. Of course, MB would be in contact with not only GX, but... Other people we've talked to, like Nigel Ayers, and people we haven't talked to, but plenty of this was going on at the time in those early 80s days. And it also explains why, you know, addition 20 question mark would be, you know, the people that they were in correspondence with via, you know, the underground mail art scene. Exactly. Made it, mailed it out. It wasn't precious or done in anything. It was just making this one until you made the new one, most likely, and then you sent the new yeah, one. Yeah, I think out. even I think even Nigel said, yeah, he they would dub over. Yeah, things. each it, other's it didn't, states. It yeah. didn't feel precious. It didn't feel like this thing that forty years later th- we are tearing our hair out thinking that someone oh would have dubbed God. over an original MB tape. But back then, that was just it. It was this constant movement, and it wasn't seen as these specific releases like we see them now. And I know, Gray, that you are a big fan of the label maker that is featured on the original lease. Release, so cool. Sticker <laughs> pressure style. Oh, yeah. so label cool. Maker. It, that, talk about something that will always hold up is a label maker on an old 80s tape. Come on. Yeah. Absolutely. The embossed Absolutely. style. We all, we've all played with them. They're well, fantastic. Well, Activitat starts off with what will continue, at least for me, on this listen, I kept seeing a lot of sonic contradictions. 
And immediately I saw it with the first seconds because it is equally fast and slow. <laughs> yes. It's, it's, I can't even figure it. I, it's so <laughs> disorienting that it's either insanely fast or insanely slow, or it's absolutely both at the same time. Yeah. And it's funny because the first track I didn't actually do this on, but for the following three, I did split the tracks into left and right down my note sheet because okay. the use of stereo, there's different things oh, happening in right. each yes, ear yes. so often that I want to write notes, but I don't want to have to keep referring to it. So I just <laughs> drew a little line down the middle of each column and separated them that way. And static hissing snake spit rhythm, just interruptions, cutouts, dropouts, a uh, little drum fill on whatever drum machine is being used. Like the rhythm changes a bit. I know what you mean about it being so fast because it does feel very like hyperkinetic, yeah. but then it also has this tone. The mood of the piece is really languid and murky and sort of and dissociated. And it lends to this feeling of, of slowness of it's, it's swampy, but there's just something very fast about it. And I think it is a, just the tempo, an unusual tempo on the drum machine, an uncomfortable he, tempo on totally. the drum machine, yeah. coupled with how slow the notes are played. And then that fast or nasty delay that's used on it, that analog delay that just gives everything a shudder and shimmer. And the use of dropping things out, I can't tell if it's from cheap tape, a slightly janky mixer channel on purpose just messing with something. This is one of those recordings where at parts it feels like, especially as we move through to the, the last track, but where there's just live wires, he's having to hold together to keep the sound going. <laughs> absolutely. It absolutely has that feel. I enjoy the MB at one point described his sound as anarchophonic. And I think that that is definitely present on this album because because like you guys said there it's it's very dissimilar things happening at the same time it's like there's so much speed but there's also just another track that's just dragging it down into this murkiness like i found it very much hypnotic uh like like you know the the repetition and the beat and the inability to really hang on to one piece in particular it's just this like hypnotic hypnotic decay it you have the feeling of you know going down like you know when you're being hypnotized you're supposed to envision yourself relaxing and going down a set of stairs and i thought we were going down those stairs but they were crumbling apart oh, oh and then sometimes you're going up them yeah yes. exactly you think you're going down the stairs and you're going up the stairs it's impossible no, to place yourself in these pieces they're so mm -hmm. uncomfortable and disorienting and it is because of the speed at which the rhythm is happening, but it's very minute. It's a very, a lot of the stuff he does with rhythm here is understated. It's not big drum machine stuff. So I'm talking about in comparison with that sonar also that hearing him at the same time is it's not the sort of thing where like, Oh, it's, it's like techno noise or something. Right. It's not at all that there's just a drum machine that happens to be playing in the background. It's being processed by some electronics, but it's, it sounds thin and anemic. It sounds anemic and 
kind of shitty in the right way. And if you consider the tempo that the drum machine is at, then the rate at which he plays notes or triggers different sounds on the synth is like every four or six measures or something too, because it's, if even that it's so the drum machine's going, but there's no, it's not tied to any sort of four, four music format or anything. This is free improv, but the, when he's playing stuff is strictly based on a feeling. See, now this is one of my favorite things about MB and, and again, much like you just said, Gray, in another interview, MB said that he's driven more on instinct than inspiration. So it is that feeling of when to play. It's the, it's the instinct. It's not like envisioning this idea of the sound that's coming out. It's, it's just that drive. And it's one of the reasons that I love and relate to MB um, because, uh, you know, frequently I'll make tracks that Mike says they're rhythmically confounding and impossible <laughs> and do it again or possibly with a click track. <laughs> but, but I, but sometimes like rhythmically you got to go with your inspo and you're like, you know what? Maybe it doesn't make any sense, but that's where it should be right there. It doesn't matter. It's emotionally evocative. And I think that that is definitely what's driving this. Oh, absolutely. Sarah, I have a very strong memory of trying to work on some composing <laughs> some music with you. And there would always be too many notes to fit it into like yes. 16 bars or something <laughs> simple like that. Like there was always this confusing extra amount of notes. We'd be like, where do, how do we fit those in if we're trying to write this along with a sequencer or something? Like yep. how yeah. does that fit? There just wasn't a way to make it fit in a in terms of locking it to a metronome. Sequencers, you should be able to add one extra. <laughs> one little extra. Just shoehorn it in. I want a custom sequencer, abstract sequencing. It should happen. Well, that's you, definitely part of it. I mean, you can get you can get that. Uh, yes. A very good friend I know who does a lot of things at at uh, fifteen step sequences. So yep, there it always shifts by one when you're expecting it. So you can follow along with it, and it becomes familiar, but it's not lining up with the other stuff that's programmed. So definitely happens on this album yes. a lot. I I called this album from the first track or uh, described this album as grand primitivism because there is this grandness to mm -hmm. some of it and it's some of those the notes that do happen but it's so primitive so it's not it still feels isolated and and contained in this small area or this small enclosure but there are these grand things i i was even feeling a western vibe like almost a morricone vibe on this first track now i've never seen him mention that morricone is in any way an influence on him but i was maybe maybe i was just going with it i don't know where i was but i was like man this almost feels like a like a western in this way just the the way they're coming up and the way the 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 drum machines almost like a galloping horse or something i i was like some weird primitive industrial western or something i don't know um, well if you i do have a a small list of people that mb said he remembered from the scene and were inspiration the, the ancestors would you like to hear his i list? would love to hear it. so he says i remember the names and humans behind them like nigel Ayers of the nocturnal emissions conrad schnitzler ban total enrico piva Pietro Mazzocchin, William Bennett and Whitehouse, Art and Technique, Masami Akita of Mersbau, etc. 
and mostly of them, they were governed by the spontaneity and geniusness that is today so rare. Oh, that's so great. And what a, what a list there. I mean, come on. It's <laughs> still people that we look to for inspiration. Yeah, Enrico Piva, you know, uh, that was one of those things that Pete Swanson turned me on to. I think you mentioned in one of the episodes we did with him, uh, the anti-clima box that was issued back in 2019. It's like a five CD collection of a lot of his stuff. Mm -hmm. So cool to hear MB shout him out as a, as an inspiration and, and reference there too. And Conrad Schnitzler, I can see a parallel between this and something like uh, the Khan album from 1978, which I think got later reissued as a ballet statique. But the, those first five tracks from the Khan album, I could, I could see rhythmically synth experimentation and you know from just a few years before this would have been made so it's interesting to think about mb referencing conrad schnitzler and then you know when we think of this unusual style of synth playing from an italian there's one person that i can think of who must have taken inspiration from the way mb manhandled his synth and that would be marco corbelli of course absolutely and oh he just had a birthday he did he did uh, the the honor that I have of sharing a birthday with Marco Corbelli, it did just pass. But mm-hmm. Conrad Schnitzler, he says that he was in contact with Conrad Schnitzler and traded mail art with him. And he said that the most exciting package he ever got was Conrad Schnitzler sent him every one of his LPs. So there you go. So it makes total sense that that was a huge thing for him and, and would have been around this time, right? Mm-hmm. So all these pieces start to come together. And I mean, if you're not hooked by minute one of this, I don't know what to tell you because you're, this is just the beginning of an incredible hour of MB We're we're just at the, the very beginning of this journey. Yeah. It's, it's very abstract, but, but just like you said, Mike, it's, it's so macrocosm, it's so big, yet at the same time, you feel that it's all, you know, only happening in your head. Yes. You know, it's so psychological, it's so personal. Uh, and I think that that goes, again, back to MB's philosophy and recording, especially at this time, and also just going with the mood of the moment, you know, like capturing, yeah. not trying to, to diverge from that specific place and time, but just... Ha- making the mood of that one moment, which is fleeting and gone within an instant, uh, you know, taking it down sonically. Yeah. And Terry, you'd mentioned that the, these have titles on the reissue. I always think that's an interesting thing. If they had titles mm-hmm. when he was originally working on them, if they were titled after the fact, if how they were done, but there is a, uh, Roto relief issue from 2016 that has initials and titles on them, right? So, oh yeah, I can read those. It's so so they're the um, chemical symbols for the elements that are are read off. So it would be alpha potassio, which is potassium, uh, alpha potassium, titanio, which is titanium, uh, vanadio, iodio, which is vanadium iodide, and tan. Tantalio Tesla, which is Tantalium Tesla, um, and and then each of their you know chemical symbols, which is activitat, right. 
Yes. So it goes Activita. down Activita. And actually that was A-K-T-I-V-I-T-A-T. first. And I was actually first seen on the, uh, I always say the label name wrong. The Kubitsuri. Yes. That was the first time that those were seen. What a cool label, by the way. I mean, Incapacitance, Operu, Gero Hotel Ultra. Great label. Amazing. You know we love Hotel Ultra. And so we get onto the second track here. And, you know, first piece, six minutes. Why not have part two, as it's referred to in the original liner notes, be 20 minutes? Sure. Right, right, right. I always love that. <laughs> Left side is hitting a note through that delay, and the right side is just this overloaded synthesizer sound, broken out, distorted, super saturated, and crude. And... This is a full stereo split feeling with maybe one channel in the middle of some kind of drone noise going, but there's two distinct things happening, one in each ear. The crumbling wash is what you get right away. It's a fast cut. All these tracks cut right Mm -hmm. into the next track and just this crumbling wash and warping electronics that are just flying all around and again like we've been discussing everything plays off each other but not correctly it's it doesn't fit it always goes in a different way and one thing is gonna is coming on this other thing and then it moves they both separate and then they sort of come back together but not in the way that would be quote-unquote correct yeah and Gray, I was also like trying to figure out what the layers were. And because this is huge, like this, this whole 19 minute second piece is huge. And then I'm like, I guess there's two, you know, <laughs> it's, like it's hard to channel. Ta- yeah. But there's so much going on. You're just it's like trying to figure out. It's like your brain won't reconcile with, right. with exactly what you're hearing. Like some things are so, so distant. You know, there's that wild sound of like a crackle and it's like shooting down a distant tube and then these tiny tiny scratches but all together the sound is massive yeah it's 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 vast but insular at the same time again this is my sonic contradictions that just continue throughout and then about six minutes in or so it just starts to go off the rails oh that shuddering mess that happens yeah like oh here's this and uh, yeah, six minutes there and then eight minutes for this descending note filter LFO uh, thing that's going on. It starts to get, especially on the right channel, uh, this alarm characteristic that makes it really unsettling. And there's the thin delay eruptions. Things are breaking out of the delay sound or through the barrier of it. And this this piece is so crude and so cyclic and hypnotic you you mentioned that word earlier and it really is a fair word for this entire album is it is mesmerizing it is hypnotizing it pulls you in and it destroys you with repetition while it's decaying and degrading that repetition at the same time like especially on the third track it kind of hit me like what was happening when i listened to this you know because we've, we've heard it so many times but it's that thing where you're it's so internalized that you're you're just kind of like tuning out the external world. Yes. It's like the, listening to this is like the act of not paying attention. You know, it's like reality is over there and it's blurred and you just it's 
for some reason, even listening this, it's it's really hard to like do super focal listening because you immediately zone out. Yes, in, like, in the best way, <laughs> yes. in, in the way that you're just it, the the sounds that are coming out are just it, this is the world now. Yeah. So now your brain is trying to deal with what these sounds are doing and what the world is creating. And it is, it's so hard to grasp everything. Cause especially in this one, this is when in the second track, this is when are there voices coming in now? Is yeah. this, is there some radio? Mm-hmm. Is, am I hearing that? Is that right? Is, you know, and, and are there, is this loops? Are they, did he loop this or is he making, is he, you know, what I always call the natural loop. Like, is he actually playing that loop or is it, did he set a loop? It, it's, it all starts to really come together. And then it really just this grinding finish as the track is, you know, entering its final phase. I wrote solid, uh, solid beep grind. Cause there is, I mentioned <laughs> it becomes alarm. Like, but towards the end, it really is just an on off of a note beep, whatever. And, I think that is having a synth, having the LFO on the synth trigger itself. And we hear the LFO earlier uh, more in conjunction with the filter for some of that sci-fi sound uh, on the right channel. But the, there's also everything is so ragged around the edges, all of these sounds and the radio and tape stuff that comes in on the left-hand side towards the end is you're almost not sure if that's what you're hearing when it first right. comes mm-hmm. in until it be- makes itself very apparent. But right. for a minute, I'm like, is the TV on? What's what am I hearing <laughs> yeah, right yeah, now? Yeah. Did someone turn on the TV? I thought the it room? was our neighbors because yeah, their they... TV's against our wall. I was like, is that, are they playing yeah, something? Yeah, it's a really thing that happened to all of us, right? And yeah. it's funny because you mentioned how you zone out when you're listening to this. And I would say, yeah, this record's sort of like a forget me now, right? Like, I remember... Mm-hmm what the first track sounds like, but then by the time that's done, I'm so into what the record is doing to me, how it's affecting me that I am glad that I have notes to refer to because it, right. It becomes, it's almost like being brainwashed by this record. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. And I I was saying that this is like the, the zapping sounds, you know, when space sounds are done well, it's so exciting for me. Like it, it can be done in a cheesy way, but this is, the farthest from cheesy that you can get. It's fantastic. And I just, you know, with hearing that strange, like is the television on is something happening. And then the zapping, I was just envisioning like the zapping, zapping all my thoughts out of my head. It's like, there's, there's zapping my brain. And then you just have this like consciousness shift when you're, when you're listening to this, like truly some things like you listen to and you're bored and you zone out and then some things they're awesome and you can just like let it wash over you and you totally zone out and it's great. And and this is the latter category. Well, you know what a record he said was a huge record for him that I believe fits in the same description that we're describing this is Tangerine Dream yeah. Zeit. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Back we did an episode on that way back when an early what we call our roots episodes. And he said that was a huge record for him. And and reading that. It hit me. Oh yeah, of course that record was huge for him. He was and just it, it, doing that, but totally wrong. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But totally, you know, through the filter of himself. You yep. know, in, in that's his what own makes way. all this MB stuff so special is that it 
you feel the person behind it. It's not like you throw on an MB record and you can't, you can tell it's MB and Mm -hmm. you get a new one. You get something, you hear something you haven't heard and you can tell it's MB because of, well, in part the Italian decisions, right? I mean, that's, this is, this is like part of the birthplace of that where you, you're just confused why something happens the way it happens, but it does. And you appreciate it. And you flip the record or, you know, your CD is just still a plane or the, Hey, the tape, if you got it. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm so jealous of you. Yeah. And we'll give you, we'll shoot, we'll shout out our address uh, later. You can just send them each, <laughs> eight, all two copies, one to gray yeah. and one to us. That'd be great. That direct distorted crumble. And on the left side, we have, it's that same thing. It's so slow. Somehow there's so much space. There's, strange dive bomb sounds happening on the left and on the right we have these notes rising over this constant grind and the high end really shines on this one and that's one thing i would say this record lacks bass in a good way it's there there's low notes there's an undercurrent to it but it is not in any way up to modern standards of what we would expect a bass content on a record to be Recorded the tape in 1982 on cheap machines, and that wasn't the focus. The heaviness, the the crushing, it's not the focus. It's the mesmerizing potential of these sounds. And so there's a lot of high end. There's a lot of strange high squibbles and squiggles that happen. And again, sometimes those sounds can turn me off from a recording, but it doesn't have that effect here because it's used in such a way that draws me in. Well, what's crazy is that MB somehow created a time machine and went all the way back to ancient Roman times and recorded ancient Roman buildings crumbling and put them on this because that's exactly where I was. I was watching columns disintegrate and crumble and the dust and the sand and and the and the rock and the, you know, shells and just everything just crumbling and everything just me falling underneath everything. This is just what just archaic, true just perfect crumble noise. I was just thinking of, of power tools used with no purpose. Just like and everywhere. Like, yeah. Everything's just constantly downshifting totally. somehow and you think it can't downshift anymore. And it does. Uh, no, I mean this, this truly the, the third track really just, I zoned out. I was just gone. Yeah. You know, uh, I was, it's, it's fantastic and it's 18 minutes long. So you have, uh, pl- ample opportunity to just get inside of your own brain and sit there for a while and see what's going on. The fourth track arrives and I was watching this movie recently and it reminded me of it uh, called after blue dirty paradise, sort of a more of a modern movie, but it takes place on an, another planet that's because we've destroyed the earth and, but this planet's also dead and harsh and really strange looking. And this piece reminded me of that, of course, something new, maybe taking inspiration from the old or from the future to come, right? Very sci-fi, dead planet sounds, high-end noise as the 
communications is what I took this as, as, as sort of a broadcast or trying to convey information. And then on the left channel, there's, there's sci-fi modulation, very in the zone. This last piece at eight and a half minutes, it has really nasty high end. There's a, I can't tell if it's sample and hold or an actual melody being played on the keyboard at that point. And everything feels like it slows to a crawl. Oh, absolutely. After the total hypnosis of the third part, because Tara, I was the same. We were just totally zoned out. The way the fourth part comes in just rocks you out of that hypnosis right away with that watery, wet synth. And then it just... it. it the, the, it goes into the distance and comes back and goes into the distance and comes back. And these just icy synths just choking everything down. It's it's a great transition from the, the third to the fourth track. Yeah, it's a very spongy oscillation. Like it, it's <laughs> yes. organic totally. feeling in that oscillator. And it's like sometimes you can just hit that and he totally hit it uh, for this. And then the feeling of, you know, winds and even, you know, playing against organic uh, and inorganic, I think, is is so nice and, and does things to you psychologically. And I also forgot to mention a thing I like on the Menstrual Recordings website is that MB describes himself as Italian experimental non-artist. Love it. Um, <laughs> as a non-artist. So I, I enjoyed that. It's very... Yeah, it's... It's very... It has quite a fantastic body of work for a non-artist. Yeah, in, in interviews too, he talks about someone asked him if he was influenced by like old European composers or something like mm -hmm. that. And he's says, No, that's that's not where I'm coming from. Like I'm coming from this total this other mm -hmm. place. Like that's 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 academic. Like that's not where I'm coming from. Yeah, I'm from. not academic. I'm coming from within myself. Yeah, yeah. He's he's got a great just constantly evolving philosophy about how he works and about his art and, and music, which is so cool. And, and even if you see like the covers that were on the re-releases and you think about, you know, burn victims and bombs and, and like the extreme nature of that, I, I wouldn't say that this is some sort of like foray into graphic violence sonically. Right. It's, it's more of, of a psychological totally. journey that you're taking just in terms of like, maybe you know internally what's within you the violence within ourselves like it's it's very very much not some you know super graphic display uh right. as, as you you might be led to think and again if you look at the original cassette it, it's not designed in that way exactly the 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 use of images and and the, the graphicness or even titles that on other releases it's it's way more it's all psychological that's what it is and that's to me that's mb and you know what's so great too in this last track when the those watery synths the icy synths they get they they get pulled away and then this just total synth full of dread enters for the final phase and turns into just complete disintegration yeah, super fractured. It's like a slow note progression. And this one takes over the stereo field, too, which I thought was interesting, right? We're back to mono almost in a way. There's no discernible stereo. It collapses what was going on in each year down to this focused beam of disintegration. And it there's hiss and chops. Or This is another one. Holding... Holding live wires together to make this happen, and occasionally they they fray loose and you I gotta like put that. them back together because mm -hmm. that's what you hear here. It sounds very 
electronic, but not electron. It sounds like electricity. You hear that. Right, right, right. You feel the electricity. Absolutely. Yeah, it's it's absolutely ominous. Like the the final tones of this album are they are they are very much, you know, warning and ominous. Well, Terry, I think you found an incredible quote from MB. I think it's a great way to round out our discussion on this album. MB was asked if he had any famous last words, and he said what matters is not my declaration, but I refer to what an ancient essay wrote. I have seen all things that are done under the sun, and behold, all is vanity and a running after the wind. From Ecclesiastes 1.14. So this is a warning to everyone to focus on the really important things in life and not on the futility imposed by the mass media. Beautiful last words from MB to round out. This classic running after the wind. Absolutely. This classic album. We've been really enjoying doing our album overviews on some total classics and have plenty more, of course, lined up to talk about. And it had been so long as we said that we did an MB episode. We thought, hey, I think it's a good time to revisit some MB. There's so much. There's such a wealth of MB. Oh, Lord. Yes. I would love to someday do something Hundreds. on The Plain Truth. I really love that album so much. I mean, it's just a wealth of stuff that we can get into. But I'm glad we did this one. You're so important to Gray. A hundred percent. What what a record. So important to everybody. And now we're going to go talk about what we've been listening to, aside from MB over on the Patreon, and a modern classic is certainly going to be discussed over there. So head on over there. And in the meantime, listen to MB Activitat. You have been listening to Noise Extra. Noise Extra is brought to you by Chondritic Sound, a home to noise artists for over 20 years, by Verdant Weapons, maker of quality contact microphones and noise devices, and by our Patreon supporters. You can find our Patreon at patreon.com slash noise extra, and your support really helps. You can find us on Instagram at noise extra, on the web at noiseextra.com, one E in those, and on Twitter at noise extra, with three A's at the end. Thank you for listening to us and to noise.